0: Welcome into the Think Deeper podcast. We are back with another week. Will has rejoined us. Now, I don't believe you missed any podcast episodes, correct?
1: No, no, just the okay, Think Fast. Yeah, just a
0: couple of uh, Think Fast videos uh, that we posted to YouTube. Uh, noticeably absent. Our views were noticeably down for those, so I think that tells uh, Joe and I something. <laughs> Uh, That's exactly. That uh, nobody's tuning in for us. Uh, but good to have you My back. My face camp. draws them in. That's it. What it. That's I say? it. We just need the eye candy. There. Well, <laughs> um, I have
2: I have a face for podcasting. So right there with Not, you, uh, non-video. Unfortunately, um,
1: no. It's uh, it's it's good to be back. I'm struggling with a bit of a hoarse voice from back-to-back weeks of camp. So you'll have to bear with me there. But from yelling at teenagers for two straight episodes, weeks, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Having said all that. Um, Let's go ahead and get into our episode today. This was not our planned episode for today. Um, So over the weekend, uh, Will's dad, uh, Brad Harib, works with us here at Focus Press. Uh, Well, I guess we work for him at Focus Press, we should say. Um, (laughs) That's a weird way to say it. Posted a very interesting thing to Facebook. He posted, without any context, two images. And it was results from a survey that was done of men. Of what specific things in women do you find to be immodest or, or to really draw your eyes? What what things kind of make you stumble uh, when you see a woman wearing those, th- or when you see women wearing these things? And you know what percentage of men said, yeah, that could be a problem when a woman is wearing that? He posted these images without context, he set off a firestorm, over 100 comments of people jumping in, oh, so you're blaming women, uh, really, you know, the Kathy Newman thing. Oh, so you're saying this, you're saying that, you're saying... All he did was post data that says men claim in these percentages to struggle with these things. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I thought it was pretty funny, also pretty clever. I don't think other people found it as funny as I did. He came back the next day and <laughs> said, that was an experiment. I just posted data without any commentary uh, to see what would happen. And it made a lot of people really mad to see that data, and uh, especially uh, you know a lot of women we're very up in arms we're very ready to go to battle over the topic of modesty um a very interesting experiment that he had there uh, essentially he was using it to teach at at the camp you were at will uh i believe his message was when you talk about certain things like modesty expect very heavy pushback yep so we're going to talk about modesty today we're going to follow up on that uh it's summertime it's already it's it's an issue that's out there we've talked about this a little bit on our summer episode about a month ago about when you go to the beach keeping your family you know your eyes just you know for young men thoughts to keep in mind but let's talk specifically about modesty today we've got questions that come out of everything we've discussed here right Uh, and and so let's ask those questions joe uh, why don't you lead us off on on some of the questions we need to ask as we discuss this
1: but before we get there, oh, though, sure. real quick, Joe, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, there, there is a tendency that, that that bothers me within, really, within the church today that kind of supports the idea that, hey, this is something that we really shouldn't talk about. You know, because it's subjective. It's you know, it's very opinion based, and because it's so emotionally charged, there's a lot of people that are in the camp of, hey, it's just it's just better off not to talk about it. Right. I mean, literally, he posted those two pictures two days ago. 166 comments of people going back and forth. Again, no context, no nothing. There were there were things that were uh, just to give you an example. Something as simple as skin tight jeans are a stumbling block. 76.2 percent of men agree. Um, and again, it was just data. It was, all it was was data. And just my goodness, people going off uh, about this data that was shown. And again, it, it, a lot of stu- A lot of the comments kind of shed light on the fact that a lot of people think we really shouldn't be talking about this, you know, especially guys. Guys especially shouldn't be commenting on this. This is something only women can talk about, and how dare anybody even address this.
2: When you have 76% of the population, and I think that was one of the lower ones, you had things up into the 95 percentile for men, what they find to be a stumbling block, that means we should be talking about it. that's not, oh, 12% of men think this, and you go, well, then why is it relevant? Those 12% can go you know, figure something out or, or go get themselves some help. 95%, 76%, 82%, you know, these are high level percentages. And so, yeah, I think that first question really would be, should men comment on this? Do men have a right to comment on this? And I think what was interesting, and I mentioned this to my wife and I think I texted, texted Jack this and then Brad came out with it. Um, is I told her, told my wife, I said, I think this is a sociological study. Like it's it's very interesting to see the way people are interacting. And I said, notice what is absent, which is a lot of men comments. There were only a few, a handful, and even at that, those were the ones. The majority of which um, of the the small minority of men's comments were defending the women's side, saying we basically we shouldn't be talking about this. The or white you're knights just were riding in. That's exactly it. And I said. Isn't it interesting? Where are all the men that are are coming in here saying no? That's absolutely right. This is this is what it is, um, and kind of defending the numbers, saying some of these things can be a stumbling block. And what we've learned in this culture is men can't talk about this. Men shouldn't have a say in this because those pervs just need to get their act together. It's all about their lust, which we're going to get into later, in terms of whose responsibility this is. But those pervs just need to get themselves sorted out and you know stop lusting after uh, after us women. And so the majority of the 160-something comments are women talking about this, because men are too scared to. And thats I, I think that's my frustration, is when we ask the question, should men comment on it, where does that leave us? Men shouldn't comment on it, according to everybody else, because we're the ones that just need to figure out ourselves. And women who comment on it, those who come out and say, no, this really is, we need to make sure we're not stumbling blocks, they get Push to the side and basically like, wow! Well, how dare you speak against the movement type of thing? And so the only ones that are able to comment on it are this this um, feminist. To me, it's more of a feminist pushing, feminist leaning um, group of women who say, no, liberation. We can wear whatever we want, and the men need to figure it out. And so it's like, so wait a minute. We can't have a healthy debate here. You're pushing men out, and you're pushing. Uh, you're pushing all women out that that disagree with you. Where does that leave us? This is why nothing ever changes in the modesty discussion. This is why our modesty is getting worse year by year. Look at the bathing suits going back to the 50s. The bikini was was scandalous, and even at that, it was nearly a one-piece because of how high it was. Look at the, the, you know, go to the average beach They Actually, don't go to the average beach, but if you you went there, what would you find? I mean, the level of modesty has drastically dropped um, decade over decade. Why
1: is that? Because we can't speak about it.
0: Let's get that back to that question. Should men comment on it then?
1: To me, here's the deal. If you've got somebody that 95% of their body is uncovered, and your response is, well, you know— Men, they, they don't really have any right to, to say anything about that. How ridiculous of a position is that? The fact that we're arguing that somebody can uncover, again, go to the beach, 95%, that's probably conservative, 95% of their bodies and say, well, sorry, you guys can't talk about it. You guys can't address this. You know, It's ridiculous, especially when you consider the church. You consider the way the church was designed to, to help each other through things we're really willing to say that one specific sex or gender has no right to say anything you know, regarding the other, well, especially when it comes to this. Go ahead. And take away the, the 95% uncovered. You may be
2: completely covered. If your body, if it's skin tight, if it's the yoga pants, if it's accentuating certain things, certain angles, certain features, I think that can be just as immodest. Again, we'll get into that. To answer the question, should men talk about it, men are to be leaders, and what do we see in Genesis 3 after the fall? Adam gets blamed, Adam is considered to be the first one who sinned, not Eve, he's the one that takes the brunt, look at Romans 5, sin came through one man, even though Eve was the one that took the fruit, why? Because Adam stood by and let her. Men are responsible for their wives, they're responsible for their daughters, and so yes, fathers and husbands ought to be doing the most about this, and they're the ones that have been, I'm going to use the term, I'm going to make up the term pansified, where that basically we're a bunch of pansies. We can't say anything because we might tick somebody off. We might tick our daughter off. We might tick our wife off. We can't tell her those things. And then when we come in and say, this is a potential temptation for us, they go, oh, you're a perv. You just need to keep to yourself. And so no man can comment on it when in reality, I think the fathers and the husbands and in the church, if a woman has neither, the elders or the men of the congregation need to take her under her wing. This is a a spiritual issue here, which we're about to see through uh, several scriptures, it's a spiritual issue. And so should men be talking about it? Absolutely. We're the ones that absolutely have to be talking about what affects us as a stumbling block and what we have the right to say. Go this forward, is something Jared. we're going to get to in, in
0: an episode, an upcoming episode uh, on the progressive playbook. And it's one that they just keep running over and over is that you're not allowed to say certain truths. If you are a certain person or if the truth is unpopular, like if people are going to get mad about it, it's ridiculous. If it's true, it does not matter who the person is who says it. We don't need to wait for somebody who's in the midst of it to say the thing that is true. Whoever is the one that's speaking the truth is the person that needs to be amplified as, as speaking the truth. Man, woman, whoever it is. And, and so the question people are not asking is, what is true? And so that, that moves us into our next question is... Does the Bible give a standard? Is there a standard of modesty in the Bible? Because one of the the, the things you'll see is this thing of, we, under that the heading of we shouldn't talk about it, is the Bible doesn't give us a standard. And what people mean by that is there's no verse in Deuteronomy or somewhere in there that says modesty immodest dress consists of dot 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 this that the other thing um wearing it below your knee or you know with a neckline that looks like this and you know if you wear this it's immodest but this is immodest or this is modest and and, and there's no pictures in the bible that say this works and this doesn't work and so it's very easy to say well there's just no standard whatsoever and and so who are we to say and, and we really shouldn't get into it because the bible doesn't have that number one that is a very twisted form of legalism that says, you've got to give me the list. Just give me the list. I'll check off the boxes and call it good. God gave us brains. Not only to give us brains, he gave us the spirit so that we can discern these things, so that we can make application of them ourselves, so that we can figure out, you know what, this is You know, borderline, this is modest, this is immodest. And, and when people say, we have no standard, okay that just opens the door let's start working backwards can you walk out the door naked i think i would like to think that most christians even those that say that there's no standard for modesty would say well no you can't do that okay we got one so there is so so there's a standard and it starts at nakedness all right let's see how far it goes can you go out the the door in your underwear just you know walk walk down the street walk into walmart in your underwear i think most christians would say no you can't do that I mean, a bikini is your underwear. It's cut out the exact same way. And all of a sudden, people start getting a little bit... Well, but there's not a standard. Well, hold on. We've already established that even without a book chapter verse standard, there's a line somewhere. All we're doing here is haggling over the details. And I think we've got a pretty good case that a bikini is immodest. Okay, what about shorts that are about four inch inseams? That's immodest. What about, you know, a dude walking around with his shirt off? I think we can say that's immodest. I mean, like... You, you start putting the, the, the specifics on it. You don't need book, chapter, verse that gives you a whole list. You
1: can start discerning these things for ourselves. Will, go ahead. I was going to say, that's the ironic thing about this, is that preachers that will get up and say, the Bible doesn't give us a dress code or a standard, or elders that will say the same thing, if somebody walked into the Sunday morning assembly wearing a two-piece bikini, they'd probably have something to say about it. Uh, uh, So that that implies they do have a standard. Jack, like you just said, everybody has a standard. The difference is where do you draw the line? And so if if you really want to get up there and argue and and make your position, the Bible doesn't really give us a standard, then you have to be willing to do what Jack just did, go all the way back to to nakedness and say, well, if you said there's no standard, then there's no standard. No, we all have a standard. What we need to determine is what's the closest to holiness that we can get. What's the closest to God's standard that we can get? Rather than just making a blanket statement of, well, there's no standard, there's no dress code, there's no book, chapter, verse, there's no images and pictures that say what's modest so I can wear whatever I want. How about we think about the 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 fact that God really, that there are principles laid out in Scripture that we're going to get to here in a second. Joe, go for it.
2: Well, yeah, that's I, that's what I was going to transition to, is there is book, chapter, and verse to some of these things, and I'm going to pull up some Um Well, before we verses, get to that, this
0: idea cut. of there is no standard, I think what we're really uncomfortable with is that there is gray area. There are things that we can say absolutely is just immodest. I mean, there's just no question whatsoever that certain things are immodest. Then you go to, okay, well, what about this? What about that? How long do the shorts need to be? How tight? You know, all, all of these things, these questions that you have. And because you can't just say that, that right there is the line. That's where people get into saying, well, you don't have a standard. You don't have to have a line. Uh, Again, there might be something that's a little bit on one side of the border or a little bit on the other, and and there's room for debate on those things. On the other hand, we can use our brains, and there are certain things that are just absolutely unequivocally immodest, and so we should say those are immodest, and then leave room for each other to disagree on some things that are maybe a little more borderline, but also we should be striving for holiness, which I think is what these verses are
1: going to get I think your point... I think your point is shorts that are either at your knee or an inch above the knee. There might be some room for debate there. Six inches above your knee, there's no room for debate there. Right, is that right. Kind of yeah, I mean, like the, the that you're making exactly
0: yeah. the border. You know what's borderline. You know what what is within room of interpretation versus something that's not even close. Something that, that we can just come right out and say you're yep. where you're barely wearing any clothing. That's I mean, exactly come on. Right. And so uh, and again, when you get to these principles that you know they they there's a principle there. And there's an idea there, but there's really an aim behind these verses, making a claim to godliness of, you know, in all godliness and purity, of, of, of holiness, of the things that we're striving for. When you've got those things, you're not trying to get uh, push the border as far as you can. That's not how that works. And so it's the attitude behind it that I think we're going to read in 1 Timothy and 1 Peter and some of these you're about to get to.
2: Yeah, yeah, and let's jump right in. So for that, the 1 Timothy 2, 9 and following... Um, First Timothy 2.9 starts, Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or per- pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Um, the the attitude portion of modesty continues in 11, 12, 30, 40, 15. I want to stop with that, though. First thing you're going to hear is what? That's cultural, right? That's cultural because... Is it wrong to wear pearls? Is it wrong to braid your hair with gold? We don't do those things these days, right? Um, is it wrong to braid your hair? We braid our hair. Is it wrong? Pigtails, whatever. No, they're talking the braided where it would stack high on your head and it was a, a sign of wealth. It was Where a, it would
1: take them a whole day to, to get their hair braided that way. Right, right.
2: So we're talking that and then they'd walk into the assembly and they'd have their slave um, brother, sister, and Christ who didn't have two pennies to rub together and they're, they're worshiping at the same place and it just creates all these issues. So... We always jump to, oh, that must have been cultural. To which I would ask, okay, is chapter 3 with the elders and deacons cultural? Because I am I take that to be to every man. Every man should be striving to look like an elder or a deacon. Every man should be, should be trying to be above reproach, right? Even if they don't. That's why it's the first separator in the start of chapter 3 is a man has to desire the position. But However, every man should look two, like that. In chapter 2, it's talking about women
0: aren't to preach, aren't to teach, aren't to lead, to have that authority. And, and he's getting at the point of this is how you make a difference, is in your actions, in your deeds, in how you present yourself. You don't have to be up there preaching and teaching because these things are preaching and teaching about who you are and who you belong to and, and your values and, and the and external that's all that people women. are seeing. And that's and there all... is an, you know, an attitude that, that's being gotten at here and in First Peter of the immodesty of not wanting to draw attention to yourself. Not wanting to to look fancy and, and walk in the room and have everyone turn their head and go, oh wow, look at her, and and so people say it's that it's flaunting your wealth or whatever. you can do that sexually as well, you know, of, of, of flaunting your body of uh, you know not covering up to the degree that you can so you get men's heads to turn and so you know that attitude of wanting to be seen is a big part of this and how that attitude comes out is revealed in your dress.
2: It's the externalization of a heart that doesn't really care for your brother and sister, one of the greatest things I've heard um, is when it comes to modesty, the first look is on her, the second look is on on the man, and we'll get into kind of the the sides, but I think if you're drawing attention to yourself to the point where where people are whipping their heads around going, whoa, you know, look at her, even super bright colored clothing and, and you know, super short shorts and, and accentuated features and such, if you're getting other people to look at you, I think that speaks to a heart
1: that is, is you know, wanting that. That's where the modesty discussion typically starts. Uh, is that you know modesty is not all about what you wear. It's 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 an attitude. It's a way of thinking. It's it's an outlook. Uh, it's it's a way of life. It's basically a a heart thing. But then you apply that to the clothing. What does your clothing reveal? What does the way you dress reveal? Reveals where your heart is. And so you know that's something that we wanted to make sure that we express in this episode is yes, it is about your heart. But so many times people will will, will stop there and never get into the clothing side you know and say well it's all about your heart but what do our what does what we wear like i just said what is what how we dress how do, what does that reveal that reveals our heart and so you have to have both discussions you have to have the heart discussion you also have to have the clothing discussion you can't pick pick and choose one think about how much of
2: ourselves is externalized in how we dress if a guy wears bermuda shorts and um and hawaiian shirts all the time what does that denote what does what does that cause you to think maybe the guy's beach bum you know maybe he's He's a super relaxed guy, whatever, right? That's kind of how it's, that's what you would think. Does that mean it always is the case? Not necessarily. It's not a perfect illustration, but still, if a guy dresses in a three-piece suit all the time, you take him more seriously. Uh, our clothes actually have a lot to say about us, and it has a lot to say about how we how we view ourselves and how we want other people to view us. That's basic. That's, that's very understandable. Does that not come in with a modesty discussion? And I'll say this, I'll say this briefly, and then we're going to jump to the first Peter three. Um... I realize that there are a lot of women who don't know the standard. They don't know. They don't know this, and so when they dress immodestly, it truly is from a, a kind of an ignorance. They don't know any better. Um, we jump back to the first question: Who is supposed to tell them that? Who should take them aside in love and say, "Hey, sister, we you know this is potentially a stumbling block here. This is something that um, might cause a lot of men to stumble." I think
0: that's Who's the interesting supposed to thing do that? about
2: the survey that Brad shared was hey
0: ladies here's some things that, that maybe you should be you know taking note of that you you think is fine and and i you know i think each of us had these discussions with our wives about those statistics that were there and it kind of surprised from them of that really that is you know the I, I think it was the purse strap across the the middle of of the body you know that that was something that and you kind of explain yeah here's here's the thought process that goes through that um and and Women who have the spiritual mindset, those who who want to to do right by this, what they do is go, oh, okay, I didn't realize that I want to, I I don't want this to be an issue, and if that's an issue for 95% of men, I guess that's something that I shouldn't, you know, I I, I shouldn't wear, or I shouldn't dress that way, or that, that piece of fashion is something that I need to let go of. On the other hand, if your heart is me, 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 I get to do what I want, you can't tell me otherwise, get out of my way... That says a lot in itself that's the inner immodesty showing itself outwardly and so uh, this stuff reveals the attitude and and you can say my attitudes in the right place Uh, the Bible has plenty of things it talks about in James of you know uh, and Jesus about a a good tree uh, a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit what's on the outside is showing what's on the inside and so uh, your response to these things to get angry at these things that there's a lot behind that there's there's a lot to question and, and
2: to wonder about it, and maybe to fix behind that, which goes completely against, I'm going to get into 1 Peter 3 of what he's saying here. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, your doorman must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. That speaks directly against yours, that gentle, that quiet spirit. What did you see a lot of on Brad's post? The exact opposite of that they, Brad puts forth data and we don't, I don't see a gentle and quiet spirit. I see a woman who's ready to go to battle to say, you pervs just need to stop. No way I'm going to do this. You know, that's on you. You need to fix yourself. And if you're listening to this and you go, well, you know, these are three young white men that, you know, what do they know? They can't tell me what I'm supposed to do to me. That's not the gentle and quiet spirit. We're telling you as men, what
1: can potentially be a stumbling block. The way I've always broken down this verse, the first Peter 3, 3 and 4, verse 3, and then, you know, obviously when it was originally written, there weren't verse breakdowns, but the way it's broken out works out. Verse 3 really symbolizes things that the world values, right? Right. Do not let your dormant be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Those are external things that the world places a whole lot of value on. It's things that, that young people are being told nowadays, hey, this is where your focus needs to be on making yourself look good, putting on fine clothes, you know, arranging your hair, looking good. That's what the world values. Then you go to verse 4, and it talks about, but this is what God values. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I would challenge each one of our listeners and those who are reading that, don't let that last phrase just kind of roll off your back, which is very precious in the sight of God. Peter is literally telling us this is something that God looks at and deems precious. This is something that God looks at and says, that's the way I want my children to to act. That's the way I want my children to be. Like, it's precious in the sight of God. And we're just willing to to you know kind of brush that aside and move on. Now, that's a really big deal. The fact that this is what he's he's symbolizing and valuing. The world values the things in verse 3. God looks at the, the hidden person of the heart, the, the gentle and quiet spirit, and says, that's what's valuable to me. That's what's precious to me. And the sad thing is, as we've talked about before, we're not teaching our young ladies that at all. We're not teaching our young ladies that these things are precious in the sight of God. And so it's no surprise that we get, you know just like on the Facebook post, a lot of, uh, of, of of women and ladies that are getting on there in an uproar about about the, the stats and the, the survey that was released, sometimes we just need to get back to the text and say, no, this is what's precious in the sight of God. This is what's valuable in the sight of God.
2: I want to jump to Isaiah 47. So you're saying, okay, you're telling me there's a standard. Those things aren't necessarily a standard. Part of those may be cultural, the braided hair, whatever it may be. Um, yes, we're saying those first two are really looking at the heart, and I think that's part of the standard. But then we also get into a little more of the standard. Isaiah 47 Starting in verse 2, take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil, strip off the skirt, uncover the leg, cross the rivers. Your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame also will be exposed. I will take vengeance and will not spare a man.
1: Well, real quick, Joe, sorry to to establish a little bit of context for for the listeners here. This is, you know, God obviously through Isaiah painting a picture of Babylon being humiliated. Of Babylon being exposed and if you start in verse 1 of Isaiah 47 the the image that he uses the metaphor he uses is a virgin woman Isaiah 47 verse 1 come down and sit in the dust O virgin daughter of Babylon sit on the ground without a throne O daughter of the Chaldeans for you shall no more be called tender and delicate then we get to the verse 2 that Joe just read take the millstones and grind meal remove your veil take off the skirt uncover the thigh pass through the rivers your nakedness shall be uncovered and your shame will be seen you might look at that and you say, man, that is just, you know, that's a stretch. Or, man, you're pulling that out of context. What do we see there? We see God through the prophet Isaiah taking uh, a principle that is uncovering your thigh or uncovering your leg and equating it to what? What is he equating it to? Nakedness and shame. Nakedness being exposed, shame being uncovered. You know, you don't. It does not take a theological degree to be able to see that. You don't have to go to seminary school to see that's exactly the equivalency that God through the prophet Isaiah is making there. That you uncover the thigh. What is that? What does he equate it to? Nakedness and shame. Sorry, Joe, to cut you. No, off. No,
2: you're good. And that Hebrew word for those that say, "Oh, that's the entire leg," like, it's the upper thigh is is really what the Hebrew word is there. Which I'm not going to get in the Hebrew. I have no idea how to pronounce it. I just have logos. So you can look it up, um, or Lagos, I guess, for some people. But um, yeah, so it's the upper thigh. And if, when he's equating that to nakedness, now we're starting to get into those short shorts that you're letting your daughter wear that have, again, a, a three, four inch inseam. Um, the bathing suits that you have, even the one pieces where the entire leg is uncovered. What is he equating to nakedness? These things. That is, a, If you're looking for a standard, I think this is a pretty good place to start once you have the heart right you say okay what else well the uncovering of the of the thigh now here's what you'll always hear there are other parts of the of the world where if a woman uncovers her ankle it's seen as very immodest and what do you do with those so I'll throw that out to you guys as we're talking the the standard quote unquote um what do you do with the saudi countries where if they uncover their ankle if they uncover certain parts of their face it's considered immodest is that is this the standard what would you say to that To a degree, I mean, you it's its
0: kind of funny, like, go over there and try, uh, you know, see what they do with you. Because, uh, like, they are you can disagree with their laws or whatever else, but usually people comply when they go over there. Uh, they want to be seen modestly that way. That doesn't mean that's the standard. That doesn't mean uh, that it's cultural, because you can go the other direction and people do this. Well, people go to Africa and the women don't even wear shirts there. You know, uh, they're just, uh, they treat the chest just the same way as they treat a, men's che- or a man's chest, like, Okay, that's not really a standard either, um, just because mankind, but it's kind of funny that throughout Christendom, where Christianity has spread over the centuries, there's a pretty agreed upon standard. Um, you know, places where Christianity has not gone, places where another religion has dominated, have these different standards. Christianity frees women so that they are not, you know, everything but the eyeballs is covered up, but it also covers women so they're not just, you know, you can do whatever you want, barely wear anything, like other cultures. Uh, that's, I I think, that's not book, chapter, verse, but I think there's something very powerful to that, that historically it's gone a very certain way, that, I mean, we, we've just got hundreds of years, we got almost 2,000 years of Christians essentially agreeing on these things. In fact, I, I pulled up some quotes from uh, church fathers. This goes all the way back about modesty. Um Clement of Alexandria, 195 A.D. And so we're talking, uh, you know, 100 years after John. Uh, He says, much more we must keep pure from shameful deeds, on the one hand from exhibiting and exposing parts of the body which we ought not, and on the other from beholding what is forbidden. He gets into that two-sided thing that we're going to get to in a bit. Uh, You've got Tertullian, and and they talk a lot about, you know, men need to save these things for, or I mean, wives need to save these things for their husbands. Uh, Let's see. uh where's the one uh he says how much more provocative of blasphemy is it that you who are called modest these priestesses should appear in public decked and painted out after the matter of the immodest he talks uh, later about women you know just dressed exactly like the world what why do you look like the world why do you dress the same way that they are he says are we to paint ourselves out that our neighbors may perish um uh, cyprian 250 a.d Uh, I mean, you can just go on and on throughout uh, church history that these things have been established, and then, as I said, you've pretty well gotten a standard out of that. And so you go to these countries, Saudi Arabia, they think that's modesty, and anything less is immodesty. Okay, their standard's pretty extreme. They might be wrong on that. You can go to other cultures where their standard's extreme on the other way. They can be wrong on that. That doesn't mean that, uh, well, if, if it's different in every culture, then there is none at all. And I think that's kind of what people are hinting at with that.
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's a perfect understanding or a perfect breakdown of. I like that historical look of seeing the the Christian thing because we come back to the standard of what we're trying to do, right? And part of understanding or fleshing out a standard, no pun intended, on the, on the fleshing out, but part of the standard that we have here is having this conversation with one another and saying what is it that makes a brother stumble? And to that, I wanna I wanna get into maybe the I guess we'll just jump to the next question if you guys are ready for that. Um where do men's responsibilities and women's responsibilities overlap? Because on the one hand we have the stumbling block, and on the other hand we have the men's lust, and Jack, you pointed to that with uh with that first quote there, of kind of the, the both sides, right? What did we see on Brad's post? I'm not we're not just taking this from Brad's post. So like this is a discussion. This is where the real
0: anger anger comes from. And and we've but, run into it, we've seen it, yes. there's articles of uh, it's that's your problem if you've got a lust problem don't put it on me it's not my fault and i i'm allowed to do whatever i want essentially and and so stop blaming women for men's lust problems uh there when we when we get into blame saying this is immodest you shouldn't wear that and it could cause uh, stumbling for the the man we haven't talked about the man's responsibility at all the man has responsibility and guess what we did an episode on pornography. We have talked about teaching men avert your eyes. We, we you know, you can go to Job of uh, I made a covenant with myself that I wouldn't look on a virgin. David, I won't set anything any worthless thing before my eyes. Jesus, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's committed or with lust, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. We preach all of those things. We say, men, get your house in order. Stop looking at those things. The Bible also talks about modesty. The Bible also talks about women adorning themselves a certain way. And so these are totally separate circles. We ask the question where do they overlap? They overlap in that they're related. We're talking about a related thing, but the woman's responsibility and the man's responsibility are totally different. If the if a woman walks by you naked as a man, you have a responsibility not to look at her. But that doesn't mean she's not doing anything wrong.
1: Right. Right. That's exactly it. It's a two way it's a two way street. Modesty is a two way street. This whole discussion is a two way street. The issue is a lot of people want to say, no, it's one way. It's guys. They're the ones that have to to fix their issue here. And, you know, as we've acknowledged, as Jack just brought up in the porn episode, men should be hyper-vigilant about their thoughts. Men should be hyper-vigilant about their lustful thoughts, maybe their lustful mindset. Nobody here is debating that. But there, I've used this analogy before, there is a reason that banks don't leave money sitting out in the open. Because you might walk into a bank and have no thought of stealing anything, but if there's you know, $100,000 in bills just sitting there in front of you out in the open. You're not going to have a thought. You're not going to think, oh, well, I mean, that's just sitting right there. There's nobody around. Saying that men should control their thoughts and intents, uh, which is true, does not justify a woman wearing something that swings the door wide open for lust. And anybody that argues that is is, is is ignoring the fact that, like you just said, Jack, both things can be wrong. Joe, I love the way that you put it a second ago. I'm sure you're about to get into this, about the first and the second look. The first look is on the woman the second look being on the man we have a responsibility there's no no debating that but that doesn't mean women can dress the, the any way they want to and everything's on the guys and the sad thing about this is that's especially you look at the, you look at this facebook and it's not just this facebook post other discussions that i've seen on modesty other posts from other people it really does seem like that's what a lot of women think that they have every right to wear whatever they want and any lust problem any stumbling block problem any um, you know, issue that might lead somebody into to further temptation or further lust. That's I'm sorry, that's not my problem. That's on the men. That bothers me that we have so many women that think, you know, I can literally wear whatever I want. And any lust that comes out of it. Sorry, that's on the guys. It tells you how feminist our culture,
2: how much feminism has really come into the church. You know what? Why that is because men didn't step up. There's going to be a lot of guys like Adam who they look at and say, "You didn't necessarily do it, but you said nothing." You said nothing. You let your wife walk out the door. You let your daughter walk out the door. Now they have this feminist mindset of, it's my body, my choice. And so even if they're not pushing abortion, they're pushing extreme immodesty. And even if it's not extreme immodesty, they're pushing this idea of I can't basically, I, I would like to know when we bring up the stumbling block idea, which is, uh, you know, Matthew 18, 7 through 9. When we bring up the stumbling block idea, I'd love to know what people think or what women would say to that. When... Are they a stumbling block? If it's not a stumbling block when they wear the cross-shoulder bags, which very much accentuates their chest, and and if, if it's not a stumbling block when they're wearing a bathing suit, if it's not a stumbling block when they're wearing skin-tight pants, if it's not a stumbling block, on the at what point do you become a stumbling block? I think every woman needs to answer that. And if a man says, this is potentially making me stumble here, and your heart is, no, it's not. Uh, he just told you what it is. And then you say, well, that's your problem. You need to not have a stumbling block. I remember Paul saying, I'll be willing to give up meat so as to not make my brother stumble. And Paul's willing to give that up. And women are not willing to give up, um, you know, halter tops. They're not willing to give up crop tops. They're not willing to give up their short shorts. And what I would say, I'd, I'd question this. I'd say, why is it important for women to wear those things? Why is it important? Well, it's fashion. We want to look good. Look good for who? Because, If it's looking good for men, boom, you're being, you're looking good to be noticed by men. If it's looking good for women, so you're, you're dressing with the sole intention of making sure that every other woman looks at you and goes, oh yeah, she looks acceptable or wow, she looks good, which has its own problems in and of itself. So who are you dressing for? What you ought to be dressing for is God. Now I want to have a brief discussion on the male side of it. Notice in this podcast, we have not discussed too much of the male modesty. There's a reason for that. Okay. Um, Is that, can that be an issue? Yes. Men going shirtless at the beach, I think that's a problem. Men wearing um, these gym shirts that, you know, the the muscle shirts that show off whatever they have, I don't think that's modest either. Men wearing short shorts, I don't think is modest. Um, You know, accentuating certain things. Absolutely. Is that as much of a problem as the women? No. But anytime you bring up women's modesty, we always have to have the discussion about, yeah, but men need to be modest too women were not designed to be visual. That doesn't mean they're not. That doesn't mean some stro- some women don't struggle with it. Pornography is mainly on the rise with women. At the same time, though, coming from that, I think it's mainly an emotional issue for both of them and not so much the physical. But either way, I know women can lust. I'm not saying they can't. But stop putting it on the same pedestal and saying it's the exact same thing. Do you think those statistics right. would be in the 95% if women, does a, a shirtless man make you stumble? Do you think it'd be 95%? I don't know. I, I have to think it'd be a lot lower.
1: There's a biological
2: yeah. difference Correct. here is what you're getting Correct. at, Correct. Bi- and I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, I don't mean to beat around the bush. All I'm saying is I get frustrated that every time we have a discussion with women about women's modesty, we always have to run to what is a man's responsibility with lust and what is a man's modesty. And, and we, we spend about two minutes on what a woman should do for modesty when that is the main discussion here as far as I'm concerned.
1: And And... And to be clear, again, for at least all, I would say all of our perspectives, but you know, from my perspective, I've got a seven, I've got a seven month old son. I plan on teaching him this exact same standard about modesty. We wear our shirts at the beach and, and you know, from a personal perspective, trust me, it's not the most fun thing to, to wear a shirt when you, when you're at the, when you're at the swimming pool. It's just not, I've had to grow on that as I've you know gotten to where I'm at now. Three, four years ago i didn't care i didn't think it was a big deal now i understand it is a big deal so i plan on teaching him that i'm not gonna i'm gonna tell him look you you can't wear the shirts that have the gaping holes where you basically your whole chest is exposed you can't wear those at the same time if and when you know we have a daughter i'm going to teach her the exact same thing but i'm going to teach her it's a lot bigger of a deal for you and you know that sounds crazy that sounds like are you are you kidding me we want to make everything equal it's not the equal it, you can't put them on the same level yes I'm planning on teaching my son modesty I'm not we're not saying that men shouldn't be modest but what we are saying is you look at statistics you look at biology you look at the way that men are wired it is a big deal to make sure when we talk about modesty for men and women You know, and who struggles with it more who are the ones that are typically dressing more immodestly and that's, that's not debatable at the beach who's dressing more immodestly at proms who's dressing more immodestly it's women And so, Joe, I'm I'm right there with you. Obviously, we're discussing both sides here. There is a side we need to lean more heavily on. Jack, what do you have to add to that?
0: Well, there's so much. So many of the bad ideas today come strictly from the denial of reality. The world is a certain way. We are wired a certain way. We react and we act in certain ways. And, and, man, people, well, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. They shouldn't look. They shouldn't have that problem. They shouldn't want to, but they do, okay? Okay. And it's because of all the things we read about in the Bible. God has has given us, uh, you know, the explanation of fallen man and our desires and our lust in James 1 and, and James uh, 3 or 4. Uh, lust, you know, that you want and you don't have. Four. And, uh, James yeah, James 4. four thank you. Um, that we understand our our wiring as humans and, and that we have this bent, that we go the wrong way towards sin. And so men are going to have that. You can say all you want. You can scream into the abyss. It shouldn't be that way. Men should, you know, not, not want to look when I have... Okay. We're not talking about what should or shouldn't be or how you want the world to be. We're talking about how it is. And how it is is that men are wired this way and how it is is that God has told you to dress in a way that shows a quiet and submissive spirit. There's nothing submissive about saying, I get to do what I want, and nobody can tell me otherwise. You know, I wrote an article on this a while back, and I just want to kind of go over it here, because I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, you know, people are listening, you're busy, you don't have time, I'll give you the 10-second the rundown. I, I create a fictional man named Bill. And he's a young Christian guy. He's involved. He's part of the church. He's active in the ministries. He's he's really wanting, but man, he struggles with pornography, as 75% of the people his age do. I mean, it's just something that that he's dealing with, and he's trying. He's he's got accountability. He's you know doing everything he can. He's avoiding the the places where uh there's triggers that that lead him down that road. He's he's fighting this battle. He's got software on his phone, on his computer, and. I mean, just he's doing everything he can to fight off this battle. And then he walks into church and has a sister walk by wearing half of uh, the clothing that she should be, saying, I can do what I want and you can't tell me any otherwise. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? If you've got a brother who's an alcoholic and, man, he doesn't go, he he drives home a different way so he doesn't go by his favorite bar, doesn't drive by a liquor store, he's keeping, you know, letting his friends know and he's got accountability of, I'm not drinking liquor, I've been sober for this many days and all that, you're going to walk right in front of him, crack open a beer and say, I'm allowed to drink this, I get to do whatever I want? No! You are a horrible person who needs to repent, if that is your attitude. And if you're a woman who's doing the same thing, saying, I don't care that every guy my age is struggling with a pornography addiction, and some of them are overcoming it, some of them are doing their best, and really taking it seriously, but I get to do what I want. There's no quiet and submissive spirit in that. That is a big problem that needs to be addressed, and and that attitude is something that is absolutely horrific. I'm sorry, that attitude is something that we have to root out of the church anytime somebody says, forget you, I get to do whatever I want. I've got my liberty to shove it in your face and make your problem worse because it always gets painted as these these pervert guys that want to look. That's not how it is. Going back to the denial of reality is they're going to notice. What they are doing is fighting their impulse to do something about it, to take that second look, to linger they're trying as hard as they can don't make it more difficult on them than it already is come on i mean this that that really ticks me off when they when we know
2: personally guys that are struggling and fighting this battle to have that shoved back in their face by their own christian sisters and yes i i work in that and i work with a lot of porn addicts and jack's not he's absolutely telling the truth i've had guys say that he yeah, had the chick she sat in front of church she had a strapless dress you know it looked like she was naked from the way that the pew was, right, and it was, to be honest, it was kind of a struggle, and so he brings it into the accountability groups, and, and he brings it into therapy, and it's like, yeah, these things happen, okay, so this is not some one-off thing, this is, this guy's really trying, he's seeking therapy, he's in accountability, he's doing everything right, and the chick walks in with a strapless dress, or with the um, with the uh, tank top or whatever that shows her bra straps, and, and he can just look, our eyes follow lines, and where does your lines lead to, and how much are you exposing, and then we think we're going to bring it into the marriage, and that our husband gets us, and it's like, yeah, and so has every other guy that you've posted on Instagram, all your bikini pics, or whatever it may be, or all your immodesty, and every other guy's gotten the same thing, so what exactly are you giving your husband? Well, yes, he gets gets the sex out of it, but there's no chastity there, there's no... um, you know, there there's no covering up and saying, "Hey, this is something special that my husband gets." It's like, you know, it's everybody's. So, you know, what's special about the sexuality? There's something very special about your virginity and about your sexuality.
1: Well, again, about about this whole two-way street thing, because Jack, you summed that up perfectly. That's I don't, don't want to echo anything. What what I plan on on teaching my my kids is for for my son, you control your thoughts. You know, you control your lust. When Jesus, you know, said in Matthew five twenty seven, whoever looks a woman to lust for her, I mean, he put the onus on, on the man there and basically said, look, you're, you should not be lusting after a woman. You know, that analogy, you leave the, uh, if the, if the money is left open in the bank, you take it, what is it still? It's still stealing. You know, just because it was left out in the open doesn't mean it wasn't stealing. At the same time, what I plan on teaching my daughter, don't make it easier on them. Don't, like you just said, Jack, under the guise of, well, they should control their thoughts. So that way I can wear whatever I want. Don't don't swing the door wide open for lust by uncovering 50% of your body. And again, we, we've we've gone on and on about this. I don't see why this is not common sense. I don't see why this is not something that's commonly accepted that we should, you know, call me crazy, Jack, your analogy you just use call me crazy. I don't see the, the Christians in the first century, the Christian women in the first century church having that attitude. Of Well, I'm, I can wear whatever I want and it is somebody else's problem if they have to do it. I don't see the first century Christians doing that. I just don't. And so we've come such a long way, call it feminism, call it uh, the media, whatever, that has infiltrated our minds. But we have got so much work to do when it comes to, to this discussion. And again, as we started with, so many people want to say, well, we can't really talk about this, especially men should not be talking about this. The work's never going to get done if we don't talk about it, and that's again the reason for this episode is because we have to discuss it. We we discussed pornography a month ago. It's an epidemic, you know. We at, at the um, the interactions I have with young people to I think a lot of parents would be shocked to hear the 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 reality of the statistics and the reality of the of the young men from age fourteen to eighteen or whatever that are struggling. And for us to say, well, we're not going to talk about modesty or, or the way that women dress is ridiculous. And that's why we're discussing it. I,
0: I just will not tolerate that response that, that we get on these things. Of So you're blaming women. Nobody is stronger on telling men to control their thoughts than us. As we've just laid out, we talk about it. We, we hammer it. Joe works with these guys very closely and, and is helping them come out of it. We do not make any excuses for men to lust. We are not telling them, well, buddy, it's it's her fault. No, we do not go down that road at all. But it is a total false dichotomy. It is, it is ridiculous to pit these things against each other to say that we're blaming women when we say wear more clothes, dress yourself properly. This is the concept of a stumbling block. Because can you imagine the same thing with false teaching? Well, God, you know what? I taught falsely, but you can't condemn me because they should have known better. They should have studied for themselves. No. That that's the idea of a, a, a false teacher, it yeah they the person is responsible for themselves they bear the blame of not checking your false teaching
2: you bear the blame of putting it out there okay and, only and men so will blame, stand only men that? will stand in front of God and have to give an account only men yeah. no women uh, women will right. never have to give an account for what they dress like it's just the men come on and again the idea of a stumbling block
0: doesn't take personal responsibility away from the person that trips over it you should right. not trip over a stumbling block but a stumbling block has its own responsibility. And so to to say that there's like a, a 100% and we're dividing the blame and cutting it in half, it's not. There's 100% responsibility on a man. There's 100% responsibility on a woman. There is no division between the two. There's no trying to figure out who's got the majority or the minority. It's 100% for each of you. And man, I, this, this false pitting these things against each other
2: drives me crazy because it's bad Bible study. It's dishonest and it's selfish. And stop calling men pervs for noticing these things and just pointing it out like in a survey and saying hey this is a potential selling block stop immediately jumping the pervs it's so played out it's so ridiculous that that's your number one thing these men just need to grow up their pervs not true at all and again jack laid it out perfectly a lot of these guys are trying yeah there's some guys that are going to indulge and they got their own set of issues at the same time there's a lot of good brothers out there who were just Man, they're trying to make it through each day, trying, trying to do their very best. Like you say, got accountability. So I just, I don't want to echo oh, here's your the point. Other, here's it's just so thing. fantastic.
0: There are some perverted guys out there who are looking everywhere they go, trying to get, to catch a glimpse, trying to linger their eye, trying to do those things. Why are you
2: wanting to help them out? I, I mean, like, come on. There, there's just no good justification you, for this. And you and so, want, you want women to see you. You want to be noticed by other people, which is why you're dressing the way that you do. You just don't want to be noticed by the 50-year-old man who's a perv, right, who's, he's the uh, the seedy individuals. You don't want to be noticed by by them, just by everybody else. It doesn't work that way. If you're noticed by the 20-year-old chick who goes, oh, she looks hip, you're gonna be noticed by the 50-year-old who goes, whoa, man, that's that's something. And once again, I've worked with both ends, and I've worked with a guy, I I, I got a client right now. Fantastic guy, he's come out of it. He's, I think he's a year and a half, two years sober. Um, in his uh, in his sixties, fantastic guy. I, I love him to death. But he used to talk about how he would walk around supermarkets chasing skirts. Basically, he would walk up and down aisles, you know, following a woman who was immodest. He's super shameful about it now. He feels horrible. Those guys are out there. But you know what? He's also on the path to recovery. These guys can recover as well. And and so he's two years sober. If you can help your brother out by not being that for him, man, do it. It doesn't mean that he's not going to come out of it. He's forever going to be a perv. These guys
1: do see hope. I, I want to point out something real quick that I, I don't, I don't want to get us into a whole other discussion because I feel like this shouldn't take very long. But there, there are people that are listening, and there are people that will, you know, absolutely, you know, pump their fist. Absolutely, we need to be modest. Modesty is a really big deal. And then those same people will, you know, wear whatever they want at the pool, at school dances, at the gym. Is the idea that modesty is situational? That you know we can wear whatever we want to those places, but man, at church and when we're, you know, we're around other, you know, maybe certain settings that we need to be modest, but man, that goes out the window around water, around sand, and again, at the gym. And, you know, that's something that, again, I have heard Christians pump their fists about modesty and talk about how we need to be modest, and those same Christians will wear that stuff to the beach and to the gym. And I to, to speak to the I want real quick you guys to comment on the, idiocy of saying that you know in no other area is is our ethics is our moral situational that it applies at all times but just about what we wear all of a sudden you know that can change based upon the circumstances we're in based upon the the sand that's under our feet the water that's around us based upon the time of year. That that it's it's situational because again a lot of people they're not going to come out and say that but that's what they believe because they'll they'll talk modesty they'll say we need to be modest and then it goes out the window at the gym and at the beach and at the, and at the school dance and and at weddings even speak to that for just a second because again it shouldn't take long but the idiocy behind that just drives me nuts.
0: My wife actually put a a really good article together on this a few years ago uh, and it's it's a great point it's something that uh, I don't uh, you, you just can't figure out the logic. That if, if you just like kind of uh, cut somebody out of a picture and, and move them to a different situation, you know, the wedding dress, you know, I mean, wedding dresses are notoriously revealing. And if you took that and then you put, you know, you just cut her and paste her into a pew in a, a picture of the, the church on Sunday, you're like, wow, that, that's a pretty uh, wild thing to wear to church. But at the wedding, nobody cares. You know, the, the picture is all over Facebook and, and you're going to hang it in your house so that everybody that comes in can get that glimpse at you. Um As you said, the beach, you know, the, the thing again, technically your underwear, I think we've made this point on, on the summer one that going out in, in what is 99% of the time, your underwear out there in, uh, you know, when you put sand under your feet, now it's somehow different. Um, you know, the gym, the, the, the tightness, the, the, I mean, just across the board for whatever reason you think there, when when you walk through certain doors, it doesn't count the same. If it's immodest here, it's immodest there, it's immodest everywhere. I mean, this is just, it's a very simple thing. It, it's The just, standard applies in all situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the standard, right. uh, I mean, until you're behind closed doors and, and with your spouse, that that's where the standard ends. That's where you're, you know, other than that, anytime you're in front of people, you need to be dressing according to the standards that that you have. And so, um, again, you can say, well, where's the list? Where's the li-? Don't be that guy. Be wise about this. Be, be holy about this. Have that, that mindset and realize, yeah, there might be some gray area. There might be things that you wear that some might consider a little bit on the immodest side of the border. Others might consider, you know, just fine. Okay, but there's things that we all can see and know that are immodest.
2: Don't wear those. So I, that's where I think we want to wrap up here, and I'm just going to read it again is First Timothy 2.10, but rather by means of good works as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. That's what this is all about. And for the man's side of it, go into chapter three, an overseer them must be above reproach. I think every man should strive to be above reproach, right? Um, to be somebody that is seen as, as holy, seen as a, as a cut above. And that's what we're striving for, but women have to strive for godliness. And so if you are a woman listening to this, you may be very upset. You may agree completely. We realize this is not going to go over super well for a lot of people. At, at the end of the day, we're talking about godliness. We're talking about holiness. What are you chasing? And is your attire something you'd be comfortable wearing in front of Jesus? Because that's kind of the idea of godliness here is you will stand before God one day and make an account, give an account for what you did. And and that's kind of the point of this
1: whole thing. If you haven't listened to our uh, box checking Christianity episode yet, I would uh, highly encourage uh, anybody who's listening to this episode to go check that one out. Because a lot of what we discuss there applies here. You know, the idea that kinda of what Jack's been talking about that we a lot of people just want a list and well let me give me a box to check and, and you know, give me a to do list and, and give me a, a dress code, give me give me this, that and the other. Sometimes we just have to sit back and ask the question, are we truly striving for holiness? Are we truly striving to be more and more like Christ every single day? Because the truth of the matter is a lot of Christians aren't. A lot of Christians are looking for boxes to check. A lot of Christians are not asking what would you know. You know, it's the age old, what would Jesus do? They're not asking, how can I be more Christ-like? They're not asking, what's more, what's holier? And so, whether we're talking about modesty, whether we're talking about the lust side for men, whether we're talking about literally any issue out there, that's a question we absolutely have to ask. Are we striving for holiness? Are we chasing after God and Christ or are we trying to get as close to the line as we can? We say, give me the line. What's the line? That way I can get as close to it as I possibly can. You know, stick a toe over it, stick half a foot over without going all the way over. That's the attitude of a lot of a, pe- of, of a lot of people. And that is not the way that we were called to be as Christians. That's not the way we are called to be as as disciples, as followers of Christ. And so again, I would encourage you to listen to that episode. But for any issue, ask yourself that question. Are you striving after holiness? Are you chasing holiness? Are you chasing God? Are you chasing Christ? Or are you trying to get as close to the line as you possibly can uh, without going over it? Guys, y'all have anything else to add before we wrap up there?
2: No, I think that's a great summary. Yeah, if you disagree with us, um, what I would say is just prayerfully let us know with some Scripture. If you can back that up. I think we're pulling out some Scriptures. This is what we believe is what the Scriptures are telling us. If you disagree... It, please don't make it just an emotional response. Make it something that you can point to Scripture and say, "Hey, this is why it's wrong." X, Y, or Z. Um, and yes, we're we're open to debate and to discussion on that as long as Scripture's involved. So just please don't email with me. Email
0: me with men have to keep their head in their eyes, and it's it's not women's problem at all. As you can see, I, I don't have much patience for that. So uh, yeah. keep that yeah. one to yourself <laughs> if that's your objection. Um, otherwise, yeah, uh, reach out to us. Uh, We will be back next week. As always, check out the YouTube. We've got Think Fasts coming out uh, periodically. Uh, Just the shorter form videos, 15 to 20 minutes, breaking down uh, one specific aspect of culture and Christianity. So uh, keep an eye on those. Check out our Facebook page, Think Deeper Podcast. Um, Again, we appreciate everyone who listens. Uh, We always appreciate the reviews we receive, the feedback we get, the messages. Uh, We're going to keep bringing content for you guys. And, uh, again, we're always taking your suggestions, so uh, give us whatever you got, and we will talk to you guys next week.